We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Everybody, Steve with Sesfidelium. Welcome again, wherever wherever you are. This time we're with Bug Hall. Welcome, Bug. Uh, thanks for doing this. And this is part of our Solutions Watch. So I reached out to him on Twitter on a tweet he did. I know that's weird. I don't know how I just said that. I'm not going to try to say it again. But he, he agreed to it. So, <laughs> Bug, thanks again for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to be here. So a lot of us, uh, we see, I see this a lot with the Corbett group. That's why I was, this idea came up. There's, they show the problems, 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 but no one really offers solutions. So we can, and I'm guilty of that too. I tweet out that, hey, this is bad right here, but I'm trying to get into the idea of how can we combat it. So mm -hmm. the genesis of this idea was this thing called back, uh, BlackRock is buying up all these properties. And they, people have been doing this for years. So, but with the reset about the whole idea of the motto of you own nothing and you'll be happy. And basically, and even in Charlotte here just the other day, they talked about having a, a rental only. So you don't even own a car. And if you have a car, you'll get kicked out of your apartment. You'll get evicted. So Bug had a tweet about building a homestead, and I can help you. So if someone was asking, Steve, how do you, how do you get out of this mess? How do you, how do you do? What should we do? That's why I asked Bug, hey, man. What's your ideas? You got some good ideas on your tweets. How do you get out of being out of the city to doing what you're doing now? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> in my particular circumstance, it required uh, a, a complete overhaul of, of how I viewed my life, right? And, you know, as faithful Catholics, I think the really simple question you have to ask yourself to begin the process is what's going to get me to have that's it and anything that isn't that and a lot of people I think will try and uh, kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth and they'll say well you know all things for the glory of God you can do all things for the glory of God sure you can but what's what's most compatible with getting you to heaven um, so for me it was Quitting a career of 30 years, uh, moving out of Los Angeles, uh, moving closer to family, um, and rethinking our lifestyle. So we're living a very simple life, kind of committing to poverty, which, you know, that's, a, that's, that's not a universal uh, solution. Although, uh, if things keep going the way they're going, we all might as well embrace poverty because that's where your money is going to be useless. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so we're living a sustainable life. Our goal here is to build a homestead uh, and to remove ourselves from really the whole kind of rotten, failed system. I think I think we can tend to cherry pick, and we especially tend to use the uh, principle of double effect or remote cooperation with evil. But you know what? No one is required to remotely cooperate with evil. Yeah, you can. 
You know, if you're a banker and usury is, is integral to your work, but you're not, you're only remotely cooperating with it or whatever. Yeah, you can do that. You don't have to. And I think that's the, that's the step people have to take is, is that step of, yeah, but I don't have to. So we're out of it, man. We're, we don't, we don't buy anything we don't need. We don't, we're not consumers anymore. Um, beyond what we consume from our own property. And I think that's the main thing. I think you have to own property. You will own something. Um, and, uh, and you'll be, uh, I don't want to say happy because no one's promised happiness uh, in this life, but you'll, you'll be, uh, content. Right. So you say you live in poverty, but you actually own property. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like going on the street with like a you know tippets for the poor governor anything like that, right? You got you actually have clothes on your back. And here's my tin can. <laughs> uh, yeah, so poverty is something that's largely misunderstood today uh, because it's so rare, right? I mean, the reality is we when we talk about poverty today, we're usually talking about relative poverty. Um, we're looking at the billionaires and the, and the millionaires and we're going, oh, we're so poor down here. Every one of us lives a, a quality of life higher. And I just mean that in the material sense, not the spiritual sense, obviously. Live a quality of life much higher than the average lord or king in the Middle Ages. Uh, we're all rich, right? So um, poverty is something we don't even have a concept of anymore. Traditionally, throughout the history of the church, there were lots of different applications of the principle of poverty. There was the extreme application of it in the Franciscans or the Carthusians or someone like that, someone whose state in life, they actually had a vocation that called them out of their natural state um, for a greater glory, right? Uh, and then there were the peasants who embraced their life, right? Embraced the hand-to-mouth the immediacy of bringing about what you needed um, by your own work uh, to the best of your ability. And I would venture to say that, uh, you know, outside of the list of canonized saints, I would, I would say it's very likely that there are a massive number of peasant saints that never were canonized. I think that's the, that's the solution. And as, as faithful Catholics, you know, there's a large portion of us who are maybe monarchists who, who uh, see a better system. And when we hearken back to, to, to those old systems that worked really well, we sometimes get caught up in thinking that we would be the, the nobility. Um, no one wants to, no one wants to be the peasant, um, <laughs> but man, what a glorious lifestyle. And I think that's the solution. I think we all need to start at the bottom learn how to do for ourselves, you know, uh, which is a, it's a huge gap for a lot of people. I know men that can't change a tire, you know, let alone build a, a homestead farm, right. And, and take care of cows and goats and figure things out. It's funny. You stop being scared though. And you just put yourself in a situation where you have to, you can do it. And that's the, that's the trust in God, right? I mean, even I was terrified when I made this decision, but I trusted in God, and that's poverty, ultimately. Poverty is putting yourself in a situation where trust in God is absolutely necessary at all times. Uh, you are no longer, which is funny in the context of what we're talking about right now, but in a, in a sense, you're no longer the master of your own destiny. Like God is the master of my destiny now, uh, and I need only to cooperate with his grace. 
Yeah, freedom sets. I can't remember what uh, Saint said it, but he was talks about run, running into this uh, rich person and he say, or a poor person. It was two different ones, and he owned nothing, but he was enslaved by just the want of riches and things like that. So he wasn't poor. He had nothing, but he. He he wanted all this other stuff and he was yep. brought down. But there was another guy didn't care about anything and he was rich, but didn't care for any of that. So he was really the 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 real virtuous one. Yeah, well, see, and that's the that's the problem with the let's call it the natural church right now. You know, the the uh, I think the supernatural faith has has eroded quite a bit in in the hierarchy. And they're reaching out to the poor, right? That's the big. That's the big call. And you know, as Catholics, we've always we've always helped the poor. But the poor doesn't want to. The poor isn't embracing what would be the means of their sanctification, right? And that's the problem right now. The problem is that we're not giving them the medicine that they need. I think part of that is that we need, you know, a lot of us at least need to kind of embrace that medicine ourselves. And say, look, I, you know, whatever your state in life is, I don't want anything else. I only want the grace to get to heaven. Um, and I think building a life around that idea, whatever that is for you, um, is a form of embracing poverty. And you know, we've got to let go of things, man. I, because I, I always had this idea of eventually building a homestead, um, but my idea was. I need this and I need this. I need to sell 20 more shows. I need to sell 15 more movies on a big pile of money. I'll go buy the perfect acreage that I've always wanted. It's going to have exactly the things I want. And it was that that was actually stopping me from doing it, right? That was my attachment to wealth um, and my aversion to poverty. We're making do with what we have right now. It's the furthest thing from perfect. It's, you know, if I, if I had looked at this circumstance three years ago, I would have said, no, 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 that's not how I want to do homesteading. That's a, you know, that's, that's a pathetic version of it. Well, this version of it is going to provide for us and I'm going to make it provide for us. So, so are you guys like the ones that you see on a, I can't remember what TV channel it is when you got the guys from Alaska comes in and I'm not saying you're the, you're the 911 helpers that they, they call in the help brigade to come in. Hey, these guys, you what are you doing type deal? Is it that <laughs> is is it that bad? Isn't they got to find their own water, uh, electricity, come up with their own uh, system to live, or you have electricity at your house? You actually have a house, you know? Uh, well, is it that extreme? The, yeah. So the irony the irony of it is is the first thing you just mentioned was more the route we wanted to take. We want it to be super awkward. That's surprisingly expensive, though, right? Huh. You know, because you, you've got to get the all the equipment and the solar, and you need augers to dig wells, and you need all this this stuff. Um, so we're we're much more we're much closer to urban uh, environments than we would have preferred. And we can hear cars. You know, we've we've got a street here that cars go by on, and. Um, but we also have enough acreage to graze cattle and goats and uh, to build a little food forest and to, to grow what we need. So we have enough. Um, we're not as secluded as we would have liked. Um, but, you know, ultimately, uh, our, our concept of this, and this is just our personal concept, is we want to kind of harken back to those old 
European style monasteries that were typically small. There were obviously large monasteries with huge land holdings and whatever else, but the vast majority of them that dotted the landscape were small monasteries uh, with, you know, three to 10 acres. And they, they built them up over generations. Um, and the other aspect of it, I think, is beauty. Uh, a lot of natural homesteaders, people who are like, the solution is, is to get out of the system and to stop eating Bill Gates uh, uh, meat and whatever else. They go for the gritty, dirty version of it and their chicken coop is a hodgepodge of whatever they could find on the property and whatever else. That's, that's one way to do it. As Catholics though, I think we have to aim for elevating things to the most beautiful aspects. If you look at the monasteries that lasted for generations and generations in Europe, everything was beautiful they were like manicured gardens right there was there was a sense of um a sense of duty uh to those things and with the hundred year hat on we're not just trying to save ourselves i think that's a huge problem right now is this idea that uh man i just got to get through this life and get to heaven i want to build something for my progeny i want to build something so that multiple generations will have something that can help them get to heaven. And the way you do that is by not living in a prefab house that looks like all the other houses. Parents are like, I gave my children my assets and they didn't want them. They sold them all. And you know, then you see that, right? People die off and their kids just sell everything immediately and then just take the money and go do their own thing. Well, the reason is because what you had wasn't beautiful. It was a prefab house that meant nothing to no one. Um, even if the kids were raised in it, it's it's still just uh, kind of a piece of junk. Right? A cookie so, cutter house with IKEA furniture. Right. Well, who wants that? Um, so if you build something beautiful and your kids see you uh, toiling uh, throughout your life to slowly build the thing up and make it something that's spectacular, right? Uh, we're putting flying buttresses on the side of our house. Uh, because uh, it's awesome. They because why not, right? We're building a bell tower uh, and all because of these long-term projects. But we're literally building a bell tower on the top of our house with a bell that comes down into our chapel so we can ring it during consecration. Um, you know, I have a hard time picturing that my oldest son is going to want to sell off something, <laughs> something that grand. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I think we have to aim higher. No, that's awesome. You get instead of the cookie cutter idea of no, how would you say, I guess, no uh, imagination going into a house. You just, all right, well, we got to do this. It's the same thing as those guys. We got to do another one, except maybe we'll just do a different color of paint. And then <laughs> this has to be this room. This has to be this room. Uh, all right. So in your tweet, you mentioned I can help. So yeah. what would be like, what would be some steps? Step, step one. Um, well, step one, so in that tweet, I was specifically uh, calling out to the people relatively close to me because step one is community. Uh, Catholics have always, and you know, the, the, the Catholic communists, uh, which, you know, obviously the first, the first part of that phrase is incompatible with the second part, but you know, the, the commies, they look at Catholic history and they say, look, they were communists. They were all helping each other and sharing things. Um, so they, they take a reality and then bend it to the lie. 
And then what happens, I do think, is that a lot of Catholics reject the reality because it's being presented with the lie. We do need to look at Catholic history. We do need to look at how supportive Catholics were of each other. Um, nobody went without, man. Um, and we've got to get in the habit, I think, of reaching out to each other and really putting in, really sacrificing to help each other. Like not just doing what's easy, but saying, look, I'll take a day or two or three to come help you build your barn. I know I can't build a barn all by myself. At, at a certain point, the six by six beams are gonna need an extra set of hands, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we need to just get in the habit of doing that. If we wanna step out of the system, if we wanna stop hiring uh, companies that have completely squashed small businesses, um, there are none left, right? Like, you know, finding these, uh, finding anything that's kind of privately owned and family business is nearly impossible today. Um, if we want to avoid that, we want to step out of the system, we have to help each other. So that what that looks like is finding your local communities and, and uh, you know, talking to the people at your parish. My parish, fortunately, I found a Latin mass parish that's, uh, secluded. It's in the country, which is really rare. Usually they're right smack in the middle of the ghetto because mm -hmm. um, they're, you know, people come from far and wide, so they want them as kind of centrally, lo centrally located as possible. Mine is a small farm community parish, uh, so everybody's farming, everybody's doing self-sustainable stuff, um, and we all just help each other. I had a I had a ant infestation that brought down a big 150-foot tree I sent a picture of it to a buddy of mine just to, you know, just to show him, dude, look what happened, it's nuts. He was over here 10 hours later with his chainsaw and we worked for like five, six hours chopping the thing up and, you know, he didn't even ask, do you need help? It just came. Um, that's the kind of stuff we just gotta, gotta get in the habit of doing, you know? And he had just gotten off work and he had to go home still and milk his goats and do all of, you know, do all this stuff. But he came because that's, that's what Catholics do for each other. Um, Team effort, look after each other's backs. You're the original yeah. neighborhood watch. And we do, we've got it. We, 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 that habit has to really, really become integral to, to us. And I think that's a big part of the problem. We're not, we're the Americanist version of homesteading is that hyper isolationist, uh, rugged individualism, uh -huh. right? which there's an appeal to that. I get it. I, I struggled with that error for a long time too, but we're not isolationists, man. We're, we're, we have to be a community. We have to help each other. So I tweeted out, Hey, anyone that's doing this stuff, let me know. I'll come. I've already got a bunch of hits. Some guy was had an electrical problem in his house. and was like, I bought this house and I don't know anything about electricity. I was like, dude, I'll just come help you. Uh, I know a little bit about electricity. We together, we can figure it out. Two minds are better than one. So I'm going to go to his house and, you know, knock some holes in his drywall and <laughs> figure it out. I'm sure there's a how-to book somewhere too. <laughs> YouTube video. Um, are you do this come from a lot of John Senior uh, books? Uh, have you read the, the yeah. destruction and restoration of Catholic culture? Yes. What's funny is I had heard his name batted around for years, and it it, it always kind of pinged. Like I was supposed to pay more attention and I just kind of ignored it. And his name kept getting brought up. All these ideas I already had, right? These were already nascent 
a nascent form kind of brewing. And, and I would talk about it with people, the few Catholics in Hollywood that were attempting to be faithful Catholics, you know, and, and uh, this seems to be the big black hole in even faithful Catholics kind of vision. Um, because it was always rejected, you know, oh, what you're talking about is communism. You're, you know, blah, blah, blah. I finally read John senior cause his name kept coming up and I was like, man, he just brought it home for me. Um, he, he just took all these floating ideas and kind of crystallized it. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan, big fan of John senior. Uh, I, I like him a lot. And then obviously, you know, revolution and counter revolution, I think lays out the story pretty clearly as well. Although the organization that was spawned from that book, I, I think, is a bit wonky. But no, I remember when I was coming back in, and a friend of mine recommended me to read those two books, and just the ideas of take the TV out and put a piano in this place so people could sing around the piano, and just little things like that was man, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, that's by the way. Earlier, you asked how did you get started. Step one is get rid of your TV. Uh, that's step one. I, I I know that that's what there's such an attachment there that even saying that uh, just gets so much so much of a, an emotional reaction from almost everyone, which I think is a good indicator that I, that it's true. Um, you just you, you so much wasted time, so much garbage. Saint Padre Pio wasn't joking when he said. Uh, you know that the devil, the devil is in in the TV, right? Like we're just letting it into the house, and even really good Catholics who are moderating it very, very well and really watching, paying attention to what their kids are watching, the benefit is still not sufficient uh, to warrant that thing being in the house, right? Um, I know, I, I know that's an extremist position that that a lot of people just are uncomfortable with, but just. And if, if you're serious about it, I think everyone out there just needs to get rid of their TV. That's the best decision we've made. Of all the decisions we've made, getting rid of our TV, all we do is sit around and play games with each other and talk and laugh and sing and dance. Me and my daughters, you know, now our, for our, I'm writing a family rule right now, so we, you know, we do the Liturgy of the Hours. You know, instead of kind of rushing through them, we do processions around the yard and around the house, and it you know, it'll take us an hour, but who cares? What else are we going to do? Yeah, it's almost like when you go to a restaurant, you see the whole family texting each other, or it, no one's enjoying their company, and you're sitting there, you're talking to your kids, looking at the wife, everyone's looking. You're the only ones looking up instead of looking down anymore. Yeah. Well, this is next for me is uh, where, you know, I I tested out the the dumb phone, and it worked just fine. It was easy to manage. It was easy to, you know, check my emails on my computer once a day just to make sure there wasn't any speaking engagements or whatever coming up. It's not that hard, especially once you purge from the media aspect of it, because that's all this is, by the way. Uh, the, the attachment to it is the attachment to media. It's the same attachment as we have to the TV, right? Um, so the TV is the first step, I think. And then, you know, me and my wife, we're, we're taking the plunge probably in a, in a couple months. We're, we're trying to get settled in first, you know, and then we're, we're going to do it. So that, that, and then there won't be anything left. Nothing will tether us to what's, what's out, out past our house, right? 
This is going to be a softball question, but how important is growing your own food, the fruits of your own labors, and then eating your own food or meat that you grow in the back? You know, that we, you brought up Gates' name, the whole fake meat thing, taking over the farms. An easy solution I've been telling people is hit your local butchers up, your farmer's markets, grow your own things. You don't have to grow everything, but you can grow something. Someone else can grow another. Like you were talking about, a team effort. Yeah. So that's the... That's the key, and this is why community is so important, because whatever you can provide for yourself, maybe you don't have grazing land and you can't have a beef cow, maybe you don't have enough land to grow tons and tons of crops, whatever the case is, do whatever you can, get to know your local community. You know, we we all exchange things, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna have a, a major surplus of eggs, as of now I've got 40 chickens, uh, and they, you know, they lay about a, uh, an egg uh, every day and a half, right? So that's a lot of eggs. I'm not, I'm not making a farm to, I'm not making a, a production farm. I'm not selling anything. My wife early on was always asking about that. And I would say, you know, wow, we're gonna have, I did the math, we're gonna have a uh, uh, hundred pounds of honey every year. Well, we don't need that much honey. We could sell it for what, for $30? Why don't we just give it away to our local Catholic farming community and, and, and create that cyclical system where the excess goes out and then the excess of what's around you is also coming in and you just have this, that's what self-sustaining is from a Catholic standpoint. Um, so absolutely, grow what you can. Don't don't look at the ideal of being 100% self-sufficient and then say, well, since I can't attain that, I'm not going to do anything. That's the big problem. It's just like with prayer, right? So many people have trouble beginning uh, a prayer life because they can't be St. Padre Pio right away, right? Like you got to start somewhere, do something. Um, and yeah, man, like don't, and also just don't participate in the rest of the stuff. Don't just stop buying the mass produced garbage. Just stop it. You know, like you said, go find your local butcher. I took my kids to uh, Pokagon State Park. It's like a two and a half hour drive for us. And we go out there twice a month. Um, and uh, I've been out that way 10 or 15 times. I randomly was taking the same route I always take. And I noticed this little sign that said uh, uh, something slaughterhouse or whatever. And it was like a homemade sign. And I was like, what? So we pulled down this dirt road and we drove down and there's a, a farm where they, you know, grow their own beef cows and, and they raise their own beef cows. They slaughter them there. They butcher them. And there's your fresh meat, right? It's not even a, a local butcher. It's literally straight from the source. And I was like, I, I drove by 15 times. I didn't know you guys were here. And they were like, yeah, yeah. What do you want? You know, there we got fresh meat that was slaughtered a week ago and it's just ready to go. Right. So and granted that I live in a more rural area, but those kinds of options are always available and seeking them out, I think is important. Yeah, we got a butcher up the, about, well, up the street, about 25 minutes away from here. The, the prices are cheaper than Walmart. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's way better for you. It's, you know, and look, you know, again, there's always, there's the ideal, which we should always aim for, but that doesn't mean don't get started while you're aiming for the ideal, you know? So 
because you can continue that process forever, right? So you know, yeah, go to your local butcher. Uh, you know, is it grain fed? Okay, well, I'll keep going to that guy until you can find the, the grass fed version of it, right? And like, and you just keep going and, until you've you've reached that ideal. Um, but you got to start somewhere, and definitely stop going to Walmart is a really good place to start. Um, what are uh, some uh, What are some uh, excuses you heard, or maybe you had at first when you started that, or maybe someone's come up to you, but Bug, I just can't. I can't leave downtown because X, or I can't leave this neighborhood because X, to detach from this idea and to get to, and this not to say the sticks, and we're not talking about being yeah. Amish. You say you have cars go by, so you're in a yeah. neighborhood in a sense or a little community. How do you talk mm-hmm. to somebody? What are some excuses you've heard from somebody that doesn't want to leave their comfort zone to do this? Well, I mean the attachments are as varied as as there are people, right? I mean, and ultimately, I think what I would say to people on this one is you, if you're serious, you have got to really, really, really spend some time getting to know yourself and know what your attachments are. Um, The best way to start there is uh, Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, I think uh, a, a really serious novena to Our Lady of Sorrows to show you where your attachments are is, is where you should start. Uh, and then your excuses are going to be different than everyone else's excuses. You know, my excuse was I've done the same job for 30 years. I didn't graduate high school. It's the only thing I know. I'm really good at it. I really enjoy it. Uh, to quit that would be uh, uh, wrong. I even convinced myself it was immoral, right? You know, oh, what about the parable of the talents? What about da 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 da? Shut up! <laughs> stop backwards engineering principles to excuse your attachments. Just stop it, right? Um, at the end of the day, man, it, none of that stuff's going to matter when you're standing before God. There, one, there's not going to be anybody else there. So, you know, I had a, a business partner that was constantly like, "Oh, bug, you can't do this," you know. You, you, uh, uh, the parable of the talents. God will be so offended when. When you stand before him and he says, well, I made you an actor and you threw it away. Uh, And I bought that lie. I was like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Well, you know what? That dude's not going to be standing next to me when I'm at my judgment, standing before God. It's going to be me and and our Lord. And I think the most important detail there is it will be as if nothing ever existed. Like all the excuses, all of the attachments will be so frivolous. They will be, as St. Thomas says, like straw. So get out of that. I've heard every excuse in the book, right? Oh, well, I can't commute that far. Dude, then just get another job, right? Or embrace poverty and say, you know what? I would rather raise a healthy family that's that's gonna make it to heaven than live in the city. If, if that's really your excuse, rip the Band-Aid off, go do something scary. Life is supposed to be an adventure anyway, right? Um, We've gotten so bogged down in this comfort. Life is supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be an adventure. We're men, we want adventure. We want that call to greatness. We wanna face the dragon, man. Get out there and do something scary. If that means upending your life and no longer being an accountant or whatever, so be it. You know, go learn how to build shelves and, and you know, put a sign out front that says cheap labor, you know, whatever. You'll you'll make it. And it's it's ultimately just always about attachment. There's always something that when push comes to shove, you won't give up for Christ. That's it. 
That's what it comes down to. It, 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 and that's a hard saying. That's something people don't want to hear because it, they'll, you know, it's it's hard to give things up. Uh, man, it's hard. So you but, saw the problem. You came up with the idea, the solution. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. basically you have to have the virtue, the fortitude to actually put that into action. Yeah. What was your light bulb moment to go from, all right, we got to go from here where we are to now? Well, I kept taking these little incremental steps, right? So like when I first converted, uh, I was I was writing a lot. I had a project at Universal, but I was mostly making money through acting and I was making a lot of money. Uh, and I loved it. It was just something I liked doing. And I immediately realized as auditions were coming in uh, that I couldn't do them. Uh, they were, there were, there were uh, too many immoralities. Uh, I mean, one immorality is too many. All these projects. So me and my writing partner were like, well, maybe the solution is we have to create our own our own projects. Then they'll be morally good. And so you take that step and then you go, and you have to just keep being honest along the way. And it's hard, man, because we have all these blind spots. We don't want to see what we don't want to see. Um, and so I started a company. I went for years lying to myself, saying, we're this way we can keep the immoralities out and we can change Hollywood and change the culture and I can still do what I want. I can still get what I want out of, out of life, right? Um, but the reality is the financiers and the, dis- the distributors, they have final say. So they add all the woke nonsense after you've spent all the time developing this this Catholic uh, themed project. And then they say, well, you know, you've got to have, um, I won't say what they are because I don't want anyone getting banned, but you know what they are. You got to add all these extra things, right? Um, disordered uh, attraction person over here and, you know, woke nonsense this over here. Uh-huh. Uh, so then you take the next step and I said, well, maybe if I could do this same thing, but I could do it on my own terms. I could crowdfund and I could do a small version of it. I'll move to Texas and we'll just, we'll, we'll do a development company that's just small that I can keep control of. And then you, get, you start doing that and you realize that's not gonna work either. Um, and the seed for me was, uh, I was I was an addict most of my life. And uh, the last bunch of years I had, I had a, a few relapses and it was because I was lying to myself constantly, right? I was I was in this constant state of uh, uh, being disingenuous, and my conscience—I wasn't listening to my conscience. I, I, that one major attachment just just kept pushing. And after the last one, I think it was four four relapses. After the last one, I I, I just woke up, man. I said something's wrong. Something. You know, I can't be a daily Latin mass going Catholic, saying my rosary, you know, keeping up with my prayer routine and having these relapses. Something our Lord's trying to tell me something. Um, He's, you know, there's a big problem that I'm not seeing. Um, And it's hard to express how terrifying the realization is that, oh, what he's trying to tell me is to uh, to give up not only the only thing I know, but the only thing that I love doing, right? I mean, I, I, my love for storytelling, I mean, it, 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 I could go on forever about that. But that's for sure what he was telling me. So that's what I did. Uh, and, and 
it took a while and me and my wife talked about all the different versions of it right we talked about the version where i have a job and we do sustainable farming kind of in our spare time and we did you know all these different versions we finally decided to go just full full on i i personally think that catholics need to completely reimagine what it means to be catholic in our current social order i really do i think i think we need to swing to the furthest extreme um and and then maybe we'll come back to some some means from there but we need to go really far first so that's why we've taken this huge step because uh, a lot of people say well you could have done a, a middle ground version of it i could have and maybe we'll be a cautionary tale you know maybe maybe uh people will look at our story and say well there's one way to not do it <laughs> but if that's the case then uh we'll still have accomplished something right that's interesting you said that because i remember when obama was uh running for president i said the guy's brought dr paul was at in the time going after him so you have to have the furthest extreme from him not bit for brains but dr paul was the furthest extreme to expose the other stuff that he was doing so we were talking about here's the overturn window right here it used to be over here and we're trying to kind of like tiptoe over here but do this and not admit that it's poison over here mm -hmm. again we're not talking about being amish but you can make that stand right like you yeah. did you, you saw the problem you couldn't do it anymore you actually had eternal salvation in your mind and you had to make you you acted yeah well that's the i mean look i i can't find one example of a saint who didn't do that i mean really think about that I don't know of a single example of a saint who didn't go to the furthest extreme, right? You know, we talk about how, you know, God should be at the center of our will. The saints didn't act like that. The saints acted like God was at the center of their will and the wide berth that they had to give him was extreme, right? They were radical extremists, every single one of them without exception. And, you know, we, we just kind of, like you said, we tiptoe around and it's like, well, this isn't enough poison to kill me. Right? That's, the, that's the motto of the, uh, I think the current, the current Catholic mindset is how much poison can I take without dying? Uh, and I think that's just a foolish, foolish way to get to heaven. No, exactly. I mean, even uh, from dress to food, I mean, again, we're just talking about growing your own stuff. A lot of people think that's nuts. Why don't you just go to the grocery store where they got, and just saying processed poison food is right. kind of radical to some people to just think about. Well, and what's neat about that is, so everyone's application of what I'm talking about will still be radically different because what's extreme for you, if you're honest with yourself, right? Because there's a lot of people who say, oh, I've gone to the extreme, um, but they know that there's way further that they could go. But for the people who are honest with themselves, what's extreme for them will be different than what's extreme for lots of other people. Uh, someone who you know uh, eats nothing but microwave processed food, deciding to only eat uh, actually healthy stuff or relatively healthy stuff and to stop buying anything with a brand on it, that's an extreme decision for that person, right? And, and we have to remember to support that as well. We have to remember to say, you know, 
this person has chosen to make a radical decision, it might not be as radical as, oh, no, no, it might not look as radical as mine, but relative to their beginning, you know, their, their, their starting place, it's, it is as radical. Yeah, they're, don't condemn them from trying to, to do something. They're meeting right. them where they're at and bring them along with you type deal idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned I, John I, I, Senor. What else uh, did you look up, or what are some references or uh, things that people can look up to get more of an idea of homesteading or even a Catholic idea of this? Well, what started it for me was was actually Catholic economics. Um, so, and I know that's a I know that's a uh, contentious subject today, <laughs> uh, um, even amongst faithful Catholics. Uh, you know, look. I'm not going to tell anybody what's right, right or wrong in that area. Uh, I, I don't want to get into that. But uh, I was doing a project and I didn't want any errors in it. So that led me to have to study Catholic economics. Um, so I was reading, you know, Belloc and Chesterton and all these guys on what what real economics, you know, are, are at least abstractly supposed to look like, even if they hadn't ever uh developed to a certain point right um and then that led me to this idea of of sustainability um and sustainable communities um i think when we talk about sustainability the first step is is it's great if you're self-sufficient but the ideal is actually a sustainable community um that's the that's the ideal just like a family is a community um you know, and, and all of society is supposed to mirror the family, not the other way around. So we need to build these sustainable families that can then support sustainable communities and, and grow upwards from there. Uh, if you want to read anything on like homesteading and stuff, uh, you know, uh, there's a guy named Joe Saladin that's that's pretty popular. Um, I've spent years just watching YouTube videos on, you know, um, grazing patterns and you know grass health and soil health and you know random stuff i've actually done very little reading on that um, i found that just watching videos hours and hours and hours of videos on people that are practically doing it and people who are knowledgeable that's been more helpful for me if i'm gonna read i'm gonna i'm gonna read something catholic you know um i don't have a whole lot of free time so that's yeah so I did a thing on getting on the offensive uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was Jocko Willick talking about how the worst thing you could do is, or at worst time of someone's life in World War II was hearing a bomb coming towards them, not knowing where it was going to land. <clears throat> this is, is when the last things you were saying kind of reminded me of just getting on the offensive. The E. Michael Jones wrote about destruction of cities. Well, how do we continue to be on the defensive, or do we? take the fight to society and establish our own communities. Yep. That's, that's exactly right. The, you know, one of the biggest arguments you were asking about excuses earlier, one of the biggest, biggest excuses I hear from people who really have a disdain for the idea of self-sufficiency and homesteading and what they would consider the Benedictine approach or isolationism or whatever. One of the biggest uh, arguments I hear is, you know, oh, well, you don't know if any of this stuff is going to come to pass. You, you know, you're just recognizing patterns and imposing current affairs onto history. And 
you know, no one's going to the gulags here in America. Oh, stop it. Uh, hey, that might be true. That absolutely might be true. Uh, but so what? If that's true, why not be prepared for it? Uh, the, the point of Catholic teaching on the end times, the core of the teaching is to live every day like it's the end times. And I don't mean that in a, in a wackadoo kind of way. I just mean that we should, we should live as though all of these things could transpire. I want to be faithful enough today to, uh, to be able to stand up and not pinch incense uh, to Caesar when the day comes, if it comes. And if it doesn't, so what? I, I, I lived my life in, in, in accord with uh, God's grace, and I was ready for that. I mean, that, that being an argument against living this way, I think, is a silly argument. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how bad things are going to get. And if they never get that bad, great. So what? No, amen to that. Yeah, we have no idea, but you better be prepared. <laughs> and that's the, that's being that to me is the core of being on the offensive, right? Is live as though it could, just build the system. And the irony is that might prevent it if enough people build sustainable communities and say we're not playing your game anymore, we're not doing it. If enough people stand up, you know, you you might scare the the uh, the globalists, right? You might actually, if enough people do it, you might scare them into going. Eh, why don't we slow down uh, the reset and you know whatever? We don't know, and we'll never know. That's the fun of it. The fun of it is, I don't. In in this life, we don't know what our offensives are actually accomplishing. I think that disheartens people, and it shouldn't. That should motivate you. You know, we don't know if, if we're uh, Jonah and, and this is Nineveh or if this is Sodom and we're all screwed. Right. Um, we don't know. And that, I, I find that exciting. That that to me is part of the adventure. And I look forward to the final judgment when we're all sitting around seeing every aspect of every decision and the effects that it had. Uh, and we will we'll get to see what those offensives actually accomplished oh bug appreciate your time man uh is there any should they con anybody contact you about this because you mentioned people were contacting yeah. you on twitter yeah so i'm i'm in uh i'm in southeast michigan right near the ohio border and like i said earlier man i i, I truly truly believe in catholic community i think it is absolutely necessary not just important not a good idea I think it's absolutely necessary. And if anyone needs help with anything, I have general construction skills. I have, uh, I'm pretty knowledgeable on homesteading and farming, you know, regenerative, regenerative farming practices, whatever. Um, I just want to help. That's it. Uh, free of charge because that's, that's, I think, how we Catholics need to start dealing with each other. You know, we need to just start supporting each other because. We are closer through baptism uh, than we are to our natural families, right? Like that's, that's an important thing to remember. We're substantially united to each other in a, in a miraculous way. We, we, we are one body in Christ and we need to act like it. We need to support each other. So anyone, 
within reason, right? I'm not going to drive three hours, uh, you know, four hours to come help you. I have a family. I got stuff. But if you're an hour away and you need a, a few hours of, of help uh, or even a couple days worth of help, whatever, I'll come. I, I mean that. Awesome. Well, Bo, appreciate your time doing this for me and uh, everyone that's viewing. Uh, send it out to others for a solutions idea to get some hope. And instead of all the downside, got to get on the offensive. We can do this, man. It's 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 you can do this. It's so doable. And uh, the devil wants us all scared of the solutions. And that's the that's the, the key here. Right, the, the the devil has you know one real principle, anything but God. But secondly, he just wants you scared. That's it. Um, and there's nothing to be scared of. It, you can only fail up, man. Like uh, I've made so many mistakes already on this farm. I can't. I have a, a shed. It was the first thing I did was build this shed. It's flooded. It's a mess. I engineered it so poorly. Um, but. Now I know what not to do. Don't sit your walls uh, on top of the frame coming out because the water is going to seep underneath and build some eaves next time. That's it. Now I know. So you fail up. That's how you learn. If you don't That's do it, you, you, learn, can't, you can't you figure it out. You do it and you feel so confident. Be confident because when the mistakes come, you'll own them, right? If you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, da, 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 da. then when you fail, you're like, well, I didn't know what I was doing, so it's not my fault. Yeah, it's your fault. Own the mistakes, man up, and then and then fix it next time, right? Amen to that. Yeah, owner, extreme ownership. <laughs> yeah, extreme ownership is the solution. That's the motto right there. Extreme ownership is the solution of your faults and of your property. Exactly, exactly. Bug, appreciate it, bud. Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is fun.